Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Throwback Thursday. If you're enjoying these podcasts, these conversations, and you feel like you're learning from them, please share them with any of your friends in the uh, salon industry. You know, our, our goal is just to help as many people as possible uh, through these conversations. We've had some bang up guests lately, as you've probably noticed, and uh, that's just going to keep getting better and better. So, anyway, we super appreciate you. We love the reviews. Thank you so much for those. And like I said, please just uh, share this out with your friends in the hair industry. We really appreciate it. Now, enjoy the episode. Fashion color needs to be mechanically oxidized. Not really, but like in that theory of like, it has to be worked into the hair. So not only just saturation, but you got to manipulate it and you work it in. And I remember pointing this out to Rebecca Taylor. She didn't even recognize that she did it, but I would always watch her. She didn't have the words to say it, but she massaged the hair so much. Well, that was actually, there was a point behind that. It wasn't just accidental. And so that's probably a really big thing being it's way more tactile when we're doing fashion color above other color lines because, because of our, I'm sorry, um, other methods of coloring you know, blonding and permanent color, stuff like that. We ready to rock? Well, sounds like it's time to start the podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shop Talk podcast brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host, Chris Suleiman, and as usual, sitting here with my great friend, Mr. John Palmieri. And we. We're in Ellicott, Maryland. Did we're where? Right? Ellicott. Did Ellicott, right? Maryland. I didn't even know that was a place until today. It's it's a place and we're in it. We're in Ellicott, Maryland. We're at Masters and Mentors and we have two extraordinary guests today. Wicked good guests. And I only actually know you by first names. I don't even know. Well, wait a minute. Is your really last name Divine? Yes, sir. I always have to preface it with it's the Irish spelling, not the biblical. <laughs> but that also helps people realize that it's not a stage name. Got it. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So we're we're here with two amazing ladies and Soraya. Sarai. Sarai. They just want to add an A H. It's a southern thing. I think it's a southern thing. I'm super embarrassed about that. You should be. Yep. Yeah. So we're here with Miss Ruby Divine and Sarai. Spear. Spear. Yes. Um, and it's Ruby Divine on Instagram, mm-hmm. and it's the Platinum Giraffe. Platinum on Giraffe, which is such an incredible branding name. Thank you. So Thank super you. cool. Thank you. Um, we were lucky enough to get a lunchtime sit down uh, with two ladies that are really actually killing it in an area of the business that a lot of people are very intrigued by, a lot of people are very frustrated by, and <clears throat> we, we probably They're believe. Scared. Yeah, and, but I also think people, it's really a misunderstood avenue of business. And as we were just kind of sitting here small talking in front of this table full of food, um, it, became real, it became real obvious real fast. You know, listening to two people that are, that are ha- hitting a major growth scale that um, a lot of, some of it is that, that we're hearing like isn't necessary, right? And it's all really about what your goals are. Mm-hmm. And so, it in, I mean, it's just got my mind kind of wildly intrigued to hear more. Um, so, John, I mean, I know there's a million different ways that we can go to start this out, but um, why don't you take us out and see where it. this conversation leads? You know, I'm very excited because watching the two of you in the room, 
you get to know who you two are real fast. <laughs> yeah, you know, like um, who are those two? Let's go meet them now. Um, one of it is obviously because your hair, which is yeah. amazing, um, and obviously we're going to talk about that. But it's also it's funny your personalities come with that as well. So let's let's find a little bit more about you. One of my favorite questions is, I want to know how people got into this industry because to be you know um, honest, the way I got in wasn't necessarily the way everybody else did. And I always think that's a great journey. So, you know, tell us about yours. How did how did this happen to you? Why hairdressing? Why did you go down this career path? So recapping really quick, yeah. <clears throat> um, I was uh, just basically like, I think like a lot of people I found out now, it's mm. a lot of people, but in the time, not really recognizing it, but probably have some like undiagnosed learning situations, sure. right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, n- barely made it out of high school and then wanted had a strong desire to go to art school because that's what I did like mm-hmm. you know most of us and uh the art school was a private school it was going to cost a lot of money we didn't have any money in my family so uh because my my grades were so low they were like well you know go to college get your GPA up and reapply for some scholarships mm-hmm. so I went to the local um college that we had there for South Carolina had its own remote campus by me of course failed out first you know semester because you know I already barely made it out of high school to start with so the local community college had a cosmetology program and honestly my only examples of hairdressers was was the budget haircut place and then my mom doing it with the orange handled scissors from the kitchen right (laughs) Right. Uh, so I had a very low bar expectation of what a hairdresser was and if uh, you didn't have to be very smart to be a hairdresser. Well, then I should be able to be a hairdresser. Right. And it was going to be a means to an end uh, mm-hmm. to then get that GPA up because it was my community college. It was cosmetology, mm-hmm. psychology, um, math, and uh, English. Mm-hmm. So it was a, like a, a, a degree program. And then and obviously, the I literally didn't know what a hairdresser was until I opened mm-hmm. my Milady standard. I didn't know besides cutting hair or coloring hair. But mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you could be, you know, that you could touch Do and I, things. Right. And I and and then like even I heard Neki and they're talking about like you realized I realized that there was a limitlessness to this industry mm-hmm. and I was like, This is perfect. And the first week of beauty school, my instructor who Turns out it was a perfect storm. He was actually awarded for being the lead instructor for the entire state that I was at in the time. So I had like the perfect storm to make this happen. First weekend, he played a VHS, like wheels it in, right? (laughs) (laughs) VHS of a fashion show that he had done the hair for, obviously. But also this like, I remember this like Star Trek wardrobe and I wanted to be a fashion designer. So I was like, he had created this clothing and he had sewn this clothing and he did this hair and I was like, that's it. So awesome. it's actually funny because like my first, you know, the intake and they're mm-hmm. all sitting around in a room and like, what brought you here? And then we have like the one lady that was like past her 60s who mm-hmm. just always wanted to be hairdresser. Sure. Every girl in that room was like, I've always wanted to do this. And I felt shame. Like, mm-hmm. I, how dare I? These yeah. people like, and I was only here because I was as dumb as they were. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. And I know we're going to dive more. Yeah. Like, I, there are so many things yeah. in there. I know his brain and my brain's <laughs> popping. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarai, how did your thing start? Because we're going to circle yeah, back yeah. to a lot yeah, of that. Yeah. I mean, that's I, amazing. Um, <clears throat> I have a similar story. Um, I, I was actually a really good student. Um, I just couldn't commit to anything. And so <laughs> my, my parents expected me to go to, you know, college and get the four-year degree. And it just wasn't my bag. Like, yeah. just not my thing. So I tried trade school. I was an x-ray tech for a while. Um, and then I circled back to college and it was, I changed my major 17 times. It was criminal justice and psychology and all this shit. Mm -hmm. And uh, finally I was 24 and I had dropped out of college for the last time. 
And I just thought, what the hell am I going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I basically boiled it down to real estate or hair mm-hmm. for myself. And I had always had like this proclivity for hair and like crazy hair because I wasn't allowed to do anything with my hair until I was 16. And so from 16 on, I was like obsessed with changing my hair all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, screw it. We're going to hair school. Day one. I walked in there and I was like, this is it. (laughs) Like, this is where I have, I found my people. Mm -hmm. This was my passion. And I've had a crazy journey since then. But I I never, like Ruby said, like, I didn't grow up like, oh my God, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow in my mom's footsteps. I kind of fell into it. Yeah. I want to congratulate you for using proclivity in a sentence. Yeah. I, I was like, thank you so much. You were earlier when they up. said look up a dictionary yes. word? Yes. My mother actually made us do um, word of the day. She would read us a word. Thanks, and we Mom. Would, yeah, thanks, yep. Mom. Shout out. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that because that kind of mimics my story. Being a hairdresser was never in my game plan, like, at all. Um, for me, the journey came because I met a woman. <laughs> she was a hairdresser, right? And I wanted to hang out with her all day, so I'll just go to hair school. And yet what I found out, I think, like you guys, is, man, there's so much here. Yeah. You, you found your people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You found that there were so many different avenues that you could go down, mm-hmm. and you realized that your intelligence lied elsewhere, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, love that, because so, so many of our listeners are students. Um, when you think about that journey now, if you co- if you were to think about something that really captured your attention beyond knowing that these were your people and this looked like fun, you know, now that you've got X number of years have gone by, what is, you know, we'll start with you, Roby. What was the thing that's probably most stuck in your brain so far about this industry that really amazes you day after day? Like, probably what I just said about, like, yeah. the lack of, uh, like, the, the limitlessness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you, most creatives and a lot of us mm-hmm. struggle with attention in the first place. Right. So the idea of me not having to be ever locked into one mm-hmm. thing but still being able to stay under the umbrella of mm-hmm. cosmetology right. was... I mean, that's the thing that keeps me going. So the very thing that captured your attention in the beginning is still the same thing. Literally. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And I I just want to pipe in on that for a second, because that's one of the main things Mm. that we try to share with the students right away. Mm. And as an old guy, I I even though I I learned about some things around like I still like I wish I would have known that earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have known sooner that hairdressing just and look you can work behind the chair for 40 years and my parents did that and that's awesome but you can do other things and even now that thing is just cracked wide open Mm -hmm. i mean anything that exists a lot of the shit that exists right now didn't even exist five years ago it didn't exist totally Mm -hmm. so it's like it's blown wide open yeah Try for you what is it about this industry that's still after this amount of time has gone by that's still just Perks your kettle. So I, th- I think it's kind of twofold perks <laughs> my like kettle. That, huh? That's such a Southern thing. That's very Southern. Um, what really perks my kettle? Um, <laughs> no, I think, um, I think em- empowerment is what does it for me. And whether that is the way that I can touch somebody's life and help them feel good about themselves mm-hmm. – in the beginning, that was like my passion, my why. And it's mm-hmm. not just about the looks we create. I mean, that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's super cool to get to be artsy and creative. Mm-hmm. But the impact that we actually have on somebody's life mm-hmm. is pretty freaking cool. And now 
I think for me as an educator, like that's my purpose is like, I just want to inspire people. And the fact that I get to use hair Mm -hmm. as that, my tool, my Mm -hmm. platform, Mm -hmm. that's fucking awesome. I mean, that's a huge privilege and that's what keeps me going and motivated. So for our listeners, um, who are you educating for? Tell us about what you do so that uh, listeners can get to know more about you. So I am an independent educator. I actually teach blonding. Um, again, the platinum giraffe on Instagram and I work for Trionics. I am their creative and artistic director. So I teach with them at hair shows, which is awesome. And I love them. And then I work with Olaplex as well. Ruby. Uh, I'm an inter- <laughs> What? Who are you? <laughs> I, I was forgot. like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm an in- international educator for Pulp Riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started as an independent educator as well. Mm-hmm. I've worked for Bumble and Bumble. I've done all of these things. But um, one of the things I wanted to point out, like this is, I don't even know if this is derailing us, but like what I love about Sarai is she hasn't been teaching in the grand scheme of time that sure. long. And, and the same thing I all say about mm-hmm. me. I was a connoisseur of education way before mm. I decided to be an educator. For sure. And that's such a massive point of like even just watching her grow. Mm. So because she has wrapped herself, she, yeah, she teaches blonding, but it's not without learning every other step in, in possible outlets of the industry sure. to like hone into that. So I, I would say that's me culminating to me becoming an international educator with Pope Riot. Mm-hmm. I think one of the first things you have to do is know it exists. Mm. And earlier, mm-hmm. you know, Gino gave a very, I, I, I love it because it's old school and mm. will never go away, the unconscious, incompetent, yeah. conscious, mm-hmm. competent. Yeah. But like a part of getting somewhere sometimes is even knowing like that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, then, and then for a lot of, you know, coming into the industry, however you get there, you know, you feeling at home right away. And you kind of wondering, you know, almost going like, wow, this, like for me, I just thought this was a train stop mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, you, I guess what I want to say is, is that, you know, there's still this time for some people, it's really short. I see kids getting like becoming international educators, super young right, right now, yeah. super young. Um, for other people, we almost have to build up our belief that like, I could be her. Mm-hmm. Like, well, and that's, oh, I could be that. We talked about that last night a little bit, yeah. like um, with me specifically. And and she, we we literally had this conversation last night. Like, what time did you think that? And I was like, I I was always always way too confident. Like right mm-hmm. out of like first time I watched my educator show a haircut, I went home and cut my mom's hair into a pixie. Like the balls that I had, <laughs> the audacity <laughs> that I had. And I remember the first time doing a haircut on a, on a friend that I was, I worked, of course, I worked a lot and I, that's just what you did. And I did a, a haircut on her in my house with no mirror in front. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to cut her hair and I'm like, this is awesome. It kind of looks like a page boy. She reaches up with her left hand, touches her hair and says, I hate page boys. And and she's crying in the and you know I'm giving oh, yeah. her all the money oh, that I have to go to a salon and fix it. I always thought I was the bomb, yeah. and then I went to work for somebody who kind of broke me down a little bit. Uh, but you know, all, all of that to bring you to to the stuff you to know the I mean? point yeah, where yeah. we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of us, it's kind of a zigzag journey. Absolutely. You know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it yeah. it kind of leads you to who you are mm-hmm. and your mm-hmm. and your mm-hmm. educating. So. Uh, as we were kind, as we were kind of setting up the conversation, you know, we talked a little bit about different types of podcasts, and you know what John and I love to do, and you know we love to teach, 
And we know that, you know, sitting across the table from us while there's some humor and some fun, um, the reality is, is like we're, uh, we're staring at a wealth of knowledge. You know, I'm, I'm staring at, you know, inside of your experience because of the intensity that you put behind it, the learning curve for that you've done in the past five years, 10 years, whatever it is, for some people, they'll never even get there in their entire career. Mm-hmm. Because, and that's self-driven through intensity, passion, desire. Um, and I, I think by the hair color that I'm looking at on your head. So, you know, you said blonding is a specialty, but I also see a lot of vivid hair color yeah. and fashion hair color. Um, and inside of you, I know you're teaching for Pulp Riot. And I know that that's with uh, a permanent hair color line mm-hmm. that they've now launched and you've been, you know, right. p- really putting on the map. Um, but I know that all of us were first heard of Pulp Riot and you pro- I think we're there at the mm-hmm. birth yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and so I'd love to share some of the learnings right. and some of the knowledge that's kind of sitting at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first of all, I was going to say, don't forget to me, the core of an excellent fashion colorist is being an excellent blonder first. Blonding. 100%. Like, yeah. yeah. <coughs> so let's start. There let's, start there. Sure. let's start there. Let's start there. And I want to ask this question. So obviously we're going to get to the fact that Blonding is such an important foundation for the vivids. I want to know what made you decide to go down this path, right? Because <laughs> that is a journey in itself. It is. Yeah. So I will tell you, I, um, without getting too much into it, the first 10 years of my career were um, practice is what I call them. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sober. So three and a half years ago, I got sober. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the very first classes that I took was the Goonies. And I, that's when I met Ruby. And I was so, like, I was fangirling. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to meet her. <laughs> yeah. I, I really was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that class lit something in me. It lit a fire that I didn't know I had. And I just remember sitting there in the front row crying, watching all of this. And I thought, I want to be part of something bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And I want to educate. And so I went back into the salon and I took models and I was awful and my balayages looked terrible. And the thing that I kept like avoiding was blonding. Mm-hmm. I was so scared. People would ask me for a double process. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, uh-uh. I, don't, I don't do that. I'm they sorry. Do that. They don't, I don't do that anymore at all. I don't do blonding. Okay. So in all honesty, I was so afraid of blonding that when I got sober, I was like, fuck this. Like I got to tackle this. Mm -hmm. I have to get over my fears. And I knew that in order to, for me to stay sober, I had to stay in hair and that meant challenging myself and Mm -hmm. that meant continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. So my very first platinum and I'm using air quotes because you guys can't see my very first (laughs) platinum was probably like a level eight and a half, nine, like chicken fat yellow. (laughs) And then I had toned with like a, yeah, 09V mm-hmm. and parts of it were icy and parts of it were yellow but I was like oh my god I did it yep. so <laughs> eh, how I got there I don't even remember it was terrible I'm sure but because I decided to tackle my fears that's kind of how I I came up I, I now have like a whole system and you know that's mm-hmm. what I travel and I teach is you know it's it's about the whole process it's not just what's your toner formula or what's this or what totally. what's your favorite brand and it's like no let's let's take all that off the table like how do you get from point A to to point Z like mm-hmm. you've got to hit all those points in between sure. and so for me I've been lucky to have clients who've let me practice on them. Sure. Um, you know, and it started, I became an educator because I explained things to my clients. And so they were like, oh my God, no one's ever said that to me. No one's ever explained that. And then before you know it, people in the salon were coming over, hey, how are you doing that? And people from other salons. Yeah, right. And so I, I, that's kind of how I got into it. And I initially started because I was deathly afraid. 
Yeah. I was afraid of it. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's start then. So um, let's talk a little bit about blonding, and what are some of the most common mistakes or some of the most common things you're out teaching right now that it's like almost everywhere I go I see people doing this and when they make that adjustment uh, so what are what are some of the common things that sets somebody up for going from you know I'm just blonding by the seat of my pants mm -hmm. to here are a couple of rules that if you stay inside of these it'll get you a little closer or it'll get you much further so the the first thing is fear I think a lot of people are so afraid that they just stay in their comfort zone and then they don't do it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, no, you like go for it. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you're afraid practicing on a mannequin, obviously, instead of, you know, practicing on Karen. Um, but I think when you when you take the fear out of it and just know, like, I've learned more from my failures than I have my successes. Totally. So it's not a matter of if I screw up, it's when I screw up, how do I fix it? Um, but I think another thing that's really essential that we've, we were talking about this yesterday too, talking about change for the last five years, 10 years, whatever is clean canvas. I teach a clean canvas in my class because mm -hmm. like you can't do what you need to do if you have a dirty canvas. So you're, you're painting a, your room, right? And it's black. It is black. How do you take that black to blonde to, let's say you want to paint it white sure. without killsing it first. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you create that clean canvas. So creating your clean canvas is super important. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think using good products, using quality products, again, I'm, I work for Trionics. I love them. They're an enzyme based developer and I have so much love for them and they have completely changed the way I do hair. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, it's just a developer. I don't want to stay on this yeah, for too long. Yeah. But okay. Trionics so it's just is, a um, universal developer. It's enzyme based. Okay. So it's a completely different technology than just your hydrogen peroxide, sure. you know, developers. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I think once people kind of get rid of the fear, um, do clean canvas, so Malibu C, um, go to Malibu C's website. They have a wealth of knowledge. Um, I think that's a big part of it. You know, and when you're talking about globals, um, which is what I do, double process, bleach and tone, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, um, most people take the lightener off too soon. Mm -hmm. And then they get into a situation where they're like, shit, like I can't put it back on. Like, what do I do? Um, so going a little bit past where you think it should, mm -hmm is mm -hmm. is fine like you know maybe take a spray bottle water it down just to make sure you're on the mm -hmm. the right track because we've all done that where we've taken the lightener sure. off and we're like damn it mm -hmm. 10 more minutes would have been fine mm -hmm. um but i think also for me like just telling my the people who take my classes like just don't be afraid don't be afraid to experiment with different techniques mm -hmm. and like what i teach is not the end all be all it's a tool for you to add to your sure. kit to mm -hmm. make you sure. a better artist so take what you want and leave what you don't sure one more question, one more fast, it, because when do you know that you've gone too far? When it starts when, to melt? Yeah, yeah. When yeah, the you know hair what I mean? falls <laughs> off. Because, because one of my pet peeves is like, well, I had to I had to get it there to get it icy, and then they're blow-drying hair, and it's snowflakes mm -hmm. everywhere, and I'm like, you, you didn't so, have to get the snowflakes. I, I totally agree with that, and I will, I will always tell my students, like, check your elasticity. Mm -hmm. I set a timer for, like, 30 minutes, and then I'll go, and I'll set a timer for 10. So I'm constantly checking. I'm never leaving my client. I'm not going out and having my smoke break. She doesn't like, double book on a global No, either. I don't, and it's, it's really paying attention and knowing what the hair can do, but also keeping an eye on the hair, and if you have any doubt that hair might break or it 
it might be like you said, snowflakes. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Stop it now. It Stop your oxidation. Get it off. And you know what? If, if there's a conversation you have to have, um, hey, I just can't get you there today. Like, let's try again in six weeks at the next session. We'll do this. But I think when you have a consultation with your client, it needs to be under promise and over deliver. I love what you well, just said. Well, and what she just said, too, is like fearlessness, fearlessness mm-hmm. of the client. We were talking about right. that in there. Like you have to have the courage to tell somebody your Absolutely. hair is an organic matter. I can only go so far. And this is what we're going to get. And we get so afraid of our clients to to disappoint them. Absolutely. I want to well, talk about that yeah. a little bit if I can. So, you know, thanks for that because mm-hmm. you're reading my mind. <laughs> um, it must have been the shared brownie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you a, a weird, a couple weird questions, but they'll actually get to a great place, I hope. <laughs> um, you strike me now as a person with a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and was it that way before you ha- you were sober? No. Yeah. Not at all. So I'm assuming that was a, obviously a transformative time in your life. You came out the other side of that with some confidence. And for the rest of us who may not have had that journey or want to go through that journey, yeah. talk to the folks who are, I struggle with my confidence. Mm-hmm. I struggle with what you just said, being able to have the ability to talk to a client, you know, honestly. You had said that one of the things that was really impactful at the salon is you were able to talk to a client and the client said, nobody's ever told me that mm-hmm. before. And I think for many people, we can learn the technical part. Right. Right. It's sure. learning that. So uh, aside from going through, you know, what you had to go through to get there, give us some tidbits on how do we build that? How do we get to that place of confidence? And I know it's a, a much longer probably conversation. Sure. That we have <laughs> do we have 17 hours? Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I understand. I think you know where I'm trying to get. Yeah, I yeah. do. And I, I, I will say this. Part of it comes with age, mm-hmm. as we all are at this table, probably over 35, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think part of it does come with age, but I think learning to love and accept yourself, flaws included. Mm -hmm. I think that has been a huge part of my journey. Mm -hmm. And sort of for me, because I was always, you know, my my addict brain or whatever, um, being able to forgive myself Mm -hmm. for things. And I think Gino said something um, earlier today where it was like, I, I take I leave the memories that don't suit me. I leave that. I yeah, take I what I need, too. right? That was really good. Yeah. That was that was so impactful. And I, I think I've sort of done the same thing where I want to better myself, right? Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like? For everybody, it looks different. For me, it's self-help books. Mm-hmm. Um, it's podcasts. It's listening to Goalcast. Goalcast is such a huge part of my life. I love Goalcast. And I have seen um, the same videos time and time again. I listen to them before my classes. Um, but I think... Finding somebody who inspires you mm-hmm. is really important because you become like the people you are around. So if you have people who inspire you who are better than you, mm-hmm. like I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Like I want my circle if of people. Are, it, it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Please excuse me. I'm, I've got to go to the restroom. Mm-hmm. Out. Um, but I think continuing to just push yourself. And even if it's one thing a day, mm-hmm. like I love writing lists and checking things off, but even just, if you just do one thing that's outside of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. um, to push you sort of towards your goal. And I will tell you goal setting for me is a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. I will never forget, um, the first year I decided to set goals. Um, and I made plans and it was like, I would take those goals out every week. I would look at them. Okay. What have I done? What have I done to work towards this? Because a a goal without a plan, it's just a dream, right? right? Well, we all have dreams. Um, so I don't want to be a dreamer. I want to be a goal getter. Mm -hmm. And so writing out goals, figuring out ways to get there, elevating your circle of people, 
um, and finding things that inspire you. That's great. That's Thank awesome. You for that. Your journey. Why? Why Vivids? How'd this happen? So fashion color is something that like, um, I don't know. I think it was an accident, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been, well, you know, I was always dr- dr- drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Um, these extreme hair colors. I was the one that went to beauty school with with hair down the middle of my back was virgin. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. like always being told your hair is so <laughs> 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 always being told your hair is so pretty. Like your hair color is so pretty. Don't mess with it. Um, and when I started in beauty school, I went to beauty school in, in Beaufort, South Carolina. My beauty school was easily eighty six percent African American. Mm-hmm. In the South, you guys are in the South. You all yeah, know we're in um, where 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 I was at it was a lot of the African-American community. Like I went to high school for the first day from there, from San Diego, and I'm walking down the hallway and this this beautiful dark skinned girl, and she's got this weave laid in that's neon green and these fingernails that are neon green, these these jeans that are neon green and these Nikes that are neon green. I mean, that's the South. To mm-hmm. me, that's the South. Mm-hmm. Whereas like fast forward and I understand that people uh, attribute a fashion color with a punk rock scene or, or like, which is so funny. So people get me mixed up a lot of the time. I'm like, I'm way more ratchet than y'all. <laughs> so my affinity was, was probably the communities because I was always the girl that, you know, I was a white girl in the, in the group. The so I, I had a lot of yeah. that influence probably from the people that I was in high school surrounding myself with sure. and then in beauty school surrounding myself mm-hmm. with. Um, I liked, I've heard Rebecca Taylor talk about it, but and I didn't know to articulate it until I heard her say it, but this concept and this idea of being able to elevate it. Fashion color, you could only do fashion color. I had to go to a bondage store to get it, like literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Back and in the day, that's right, where you got yeah, it. Right, right. Or like doc, where you y'all, get Doc Martens. Yeah. <laughs> you get your manic panic. Yeah. You go to the you junk man's I mean? daughter yeah, and you get the crazy colors yeah. at the junk man's daughter, yeah. right? And and that's from their hood. And um, <laughs> literally, so my brother went to Emory University. I remember going to junk right. man's daughter and collecting all, all the crazy color that they had there. And, and that's just what you had to do. That was the only way to do it. So the idea of being able to make it look expensive. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've always mm. said that. And that's, Love I have a huge that. affinity towards demand fashion color because I want it to look like you couldn't have done it yourself in the basement with your mom you know here wanted to take a quick commercial break and introduce you to Nikki Lee and Gino Stampora uh, they probably need no introduction but they so kindly allowed us to podcast from the mentor and masters event so we wanted to take a minute for you to have the opportunity to hear a little bit about the event in case you're interested in attending next year why don't you guys tell us about the event how this happened and how do we if I wanted to come to this next year because we see how cool it is and hear how cool it is, how would we find it? You will want to come to this next year. And this all started as just a brainchild where I was thinking I'd like to do this. And I mentioned it to Nikki on the phone. And the next thing that happened was Nikki calls me the next morning and says, I wrote a manual <laughs> and was up all night writing the manual. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. But we've spent... I Nearly. really did write yeah, the entire did. manual in one, one night. night. And I stayed up all night. I didn't sleep at all because uh, we were so excited about everything and I wanted to get it out of, out of my head. That's kind of how creative individuals sort of do it. Mm-hmm. So what actually is it? Because there's a ton of different ed- types of educational events in the salon world, but this one is quite different in its intention. And our goal was just to make salon owners and salon leads be magnificent in what they do, learning how to really inspire, communicate, help people get to the next level. And then there's a lot of trainers in the room, and Nikki is an expert in teaching trainers not only 
how to train, but how to really make some money while they're doing it. Because we both have a thing about if your stress level is higher than your money mm-hmm. level, it's dangerous, mm-hmm. right? Right. Edu- teaching education uh, has been part of my career for probably, I mean, I've been in this industry a little, about 30 years, and I've been educating for about 24 of them. You know, everybody educates everywhere. There's education everywhere. Right. It's education in every industry. But what is it that's really ailing the beauty industry today? What we can do through training, education, and leadership, and, and give back levels of expertise. Awesome. So the program is called? Mentors and Masters. And how do we find it and you? So genostampora.com, statement, thestatementsproject.com for me, or you can just connect on, on social media, you know, Gino Stampora on, on Instagram or on Facebook, um, or me, Nikki Lee on Facebook, or The Statements Project on Facebook. I'm, you know, I've been staring at both of you today, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and I look at your hair color, and you put it so well. It looks expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It and perfectly it, placed. It doesn't look trashy. It doesn't look punky. It doesn't look stupid. It's amazing because it's dimensional. It's beautifully done. I look at it, and I go, man, it's come so far. It looks yeah. so good. <laughs> right. And I'm not just saying that be polite because you two are in the room. Right. It looks so Thank you. good. Thanks. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So... To take, you know, what we're looking at, and we'll have some video clips, but if you're just listening in your car, you can't see. I mean, Ruby, your, your hair right now, to me, is a, is a beautiful uh, consumer balayage with the perfectly placed vivid tones that look like the sun did it, right? Mm-hmm. It came off of your head. Like, there's nowhere I can find, oh, that was just placed there like a stripe. That was just... Um, so, you know, we've talked a little bit about blonding, getting it there, but I love the, the expensive piece. And when I think about real mainstream right now, an expensive balayage, a perfect color melt, that's what I see. Mm -hmm. You know, when I see this just done with, with fashion colors. So talk about that journey a little bit, cause that's a little different than a global Mm-hmm. Right where we're now just gonna we're gonna do a placement. Like, right. how does this happen? So for for my my canvas specifically, yeah. I have to shout out my my good friend Ursula Goff. She's famous for literally putting fine art paintings in hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, insane. Like like yeah. she went. You know, certain people you put around yourself make you want to be better, and mm-hmm. some people just make you want to give up because you're never gonna be able to reach it. <laughs> Ursula Goff is one of those. People. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she's one of my Goonies. And shout out to the Goonies. And I invite all your podcast listeners to research us because we're just a band of misfits that came together to awesome. do independent education. Well, so. we'd love to podcast with all of them. So. Listen, li- there's a lot. There's a we'll lot. They roll like, deep. We roll deep like the like, Wu-Tang Clan. Yes. Now, for real. <laughs> so, dead ass. Um, we, uh, every single one of us were, were, were just connoisseurs of education. Sure. We met at a hair show and we, by nature, started doing hair in a commandeered leftover guy tang um model prep room it's awesome. possible yeah. and then literally from rumor has it, rumor <laughs> has it. Yeah. and literally from that day our group was formed and we only my friend philip ring who is an amazing hairdresser um none of us were like signed with anything sure. at the time he had a great idea independent education was starting mm-hmm. to launch he mm-hmm. said let's have a class we're not going to make any money we're going to take that money mm-hmm. and we're going to pay for a vacation for us all to be together again that's how we were formed oh, literally yeah. mm-hmm. every single mm-hmm. one of us now down to like what was the baby at the start of our our inception are, are all now educators that's with great. or representatives of mm-hmm. different color brands or mm-hmm. product lines and things like this and then like sarai says like she's basically she's a goni too like mm-hmm. in this weird so we're like we're like 
the most dangerous like <laughs> folk group in it. So anyway, so fashion color for me with my hair, um, what I, I I've learned. You know, it used to be you bleach the hair out, hope that you get it as good enough of a canvas, and it's okay because I'm going to throw color on top mm-hmm. of it anyway. Mm-hmm. And you start out that way. Um, the education didn't exist really until Rebecca mm-hmm. Taylor, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started, I mean, I was fo- I was following her. She has a forum on Facebook called the Hairstylist Education Forum. Okay. I went on there, and by nature, naturally, I was just teaching. I didn't know I was teaching. I was just like, Give, I was just like sharing right. uh, and it turned into she identified that and it, the, the the forum was like a thousand people at the time mm-hmm. and me and, and some a lot of my goonies yeah. she reached out and was like obviously it was growing and she reached out to us and asked her to be admin of it mm-hmm. so that's kind of the beginning of this independent stuff so I went to a lot of her stuff and 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 the concepts come from there but um, for me personally I really love one of the things that I think excel, uh, excels fashion color mm-hmm. is by creating a dim- dimensional canvas in the first place in my salon a lot we encourage balayage instead of a full bleach out mm-hmm. or a full baby light mm-hmm. instead of a full bleach out you have to charge accordingly for sure. that of course right but automatically by putting those fashion colors on top of an uneven canvas is going to elevate it mm-hmm. i'm also a big fan of efficiency and, and the lazy method of doing things <laughs> so for me creating that dimensional canvas my hair color really is truly just a bullseye placement mm-hmm. it's block color mm-hmm. like hello 1994 sure. is called and wants their color placement back mm-hmm. it but it was that was my heyday back yeah. there we're talking about. <laughs> listen i can kill it with some chunky ass highlights like right? do not try me that, that's coming back. i'm always it's, laughing when people yeah because yeah. lately people are still saying like oh and i'm like no 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 that's it's, around yeah. the corner yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that's yeah, around yeah. The if corner. mullet can yeah. make a comeback that's, oh, yeah. right. that's around the corner yeah so um to me, that's the big thing about fashion color. Obviously, learning how it works, understanding that it's uh, non-oxidative, and that's really important for people to understand the chemistry behind hair color. And chemistry slow. <laughs> chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just taught recently at a middle school. They asked me to come in, and, I, and the first thing I do is I come in the class, and I tell them, hi, my name's Ruby Divine. I'm a, a hairdresser. Do you guys know what a cosmetologist is? Mm-hmm. Let them answer. I played a little video of me on stage, and I stand back in front of that same room, and I say, hi. My name is Ruby Devine. I'm an international educator for one of the leading color brands. I'm also a salon owner and a salon operator. So that to me was like, you know what I mean? And then I tell them all the fun stuff. And then I bring in how you have to use math and science every day. And they are like, Mrs. Schmidt put you up to this. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so so understanding that with fashion color is that it's a, a direct dye. It does that. It stains understanding the chemistry on how fashion color is, being able to identify the difference between different fashion color brands um, and and using that to your benefit. Um, That's the biggest, those are the big things that I could say probably, Mm -hmm. but really definitely for me, fashion color, um, elevating it. I'm still surprised at so many times that people, and kind of you guys even too, I would love to destigmatize. Like, yeah. it shouldn't have to be this thing that's like, ooh, that's so wild. I went to England, and that's their, mm-hmm. you know, for them, a big brand is crazy color. Just like sure. if you say a, a, a copier machine is a Xerox, sure. right? Or right. or we say Vivid, and that's sure. a different brand that right. says Vivid, right? Because sure. we know it as that. But for them, 
and I told this to all the English people that would listen. I said, you have to change your vocabulary to call it crazy right. is automatically putting a negative connotation on oh, it. Oh, they actually use the word crazy. Yes, crazy. So they hit crazy well, color. Right. Crazy color. Got You'll it. hear people say, you know, oh, those wild colors. Right. How about fashion color? How about fantasy color? How about yeah. creative color? Yeah. And changing color? the vocabulary behind <laughs> mm -hmm. it. Well, I mean, I do think it's still important probably to differentiate because it is supernatural mm -hmm. however i believe that what sarai does needs to be recognized by the public as being a supernatural we get these weird things if i put a level 27 blonde mm -hmm. on an asian girl people will go oh that's gross on her skin or I mean, it's not supposed to be natural mm -hmm. in, in no realm of natural right. does that exist right. you know what i mean so so anyway I, I think that there is still pertinence to identifying the differences mm -hmm. but but not making it negative i think that's kind of a big thing right. you know i'm always a big fan of vocabulary so thank you for that yeah. because you know i feel the same way when we call clients crazy right <laughs> set them up with a negative connotation it doesn't work out yeah. at all. Yeah. John calls it silly. I call it silly. silly. I like silly. That's I cool. like silly. <laughs> I want to get to the point where you said about, you know, the color and this idea that it's crazy or out there or whatever. When I look at both of you, I can see, and because I live in Atlanta now, I can see an Atlanta housewife coming out of Kroger grocery store wearing that 100%. and looking like a million bucks. Yeah. I, I think you have elevated the color and yeah. the technique from a place of it being silly right mm -hmm. to it being a highly fashionable statement that looks good on almost anybody you know i can see a 75 year old woman with you know gray white hair rocking either one of those uh -huh. shades and yeah. looking like a million well, bucks my mom i always like to tell that to the yeah. client that looks at me because i have a lot of clients that'll do that right mm -hmm. they think it's kind of funny it's like the bald dad coming in yeah. and saying what could you do with my hair yeah. like yeah. oh <laughs> never heard that i've one. never heard that one <laughs> before <laughs> And then, um, but I, my, my mom is, yeah. is 60s Just and so she's got know, amethyst I, I hair. I never say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have both elevated technique to a point where it has reached that level where no that just looks good right no matter right. no matter what station you are in right. life no matter how old you are right. it's just great right yeah so my question here is and you've said a few things but i'm, I'm gonna pose the same exact question that i said to you so what are the things that you're out there teaching the most i i feel like you just gave us a really great snapshot mm -hmm. on your philosophy mm -hmm. and i have to say like I am so impressed inside of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Like we were having fun and eating sandwiches and cussing before this <laughs> thing started. But like, God, I feel like I just experienced Trinity kicking all those guys' asses in that scene in the Matrix, <laughs> where it's like, not only is she hot, but incredibly, like mind-blowingly gifted and smart and, you know. Um, so that's how I feel like I'm sitting right now listening. And so what are, what are the things that you're teaching people what are the most commonly asked questions that you get? What are the biggest lessons that you're teaching people right now? Specifically for fashion color? Well, okay, so like my journey, obviously, um, Pulp Right created, it started as a fashion color yeah. brand. Mm -hmm. we, we expanded into blonding, oh, so bleach. Uh, the fun thing about me specifically, of mm -hmm. all the Pulp Right educators, I would say it's pr probably true, mm -hmm. is that I was kind of the forefront. I've always said this to anybody, mm -hmm. um, and I tell this to myself, I will never not be able to do something. You, you ain't gonna catch mm -hmm. me starving. Mm -hmm. I can do a pedicure if I have to, mm -hmm. but I've done it, so now I can say I don't want to. Right. You're not allowed to say you mm -hmm. don't want to until so you had done, done it, it right. right. So, so for me, I started with fashion color, and then I, I've always told all the Pulp Right people, like, tell me what 
the other people are afraid to teach so, and I'm going to teach it when I started with butterfly circus I was doing fashion color when my independent education I created a technique so that I had something different to teach for pulp, for the um, butterfly circus mm -hmm. I you know, so I did something different on purpose to sure. be different. So, so I started with fashion color. Then I started, I was one of the main ones to teach blonding. I changed my hair to blonde. Mm -hmm. It was an important statement for me to be able to step on stage in a sea of rainbows and be the only blonde one. And I was also being able to show that my color line, I could be blonde AF and not bald AF mm -hmm. from coming <laughs> from a fashion color to now blonde. Then we started with our permanent line. I started being one of the lead permanent line educators. So it's kind of like that transition in between. Sure. So when I ask, when you ask me about what do I, I, I learn, I mean, every single time I kid in front of people, as I say, I want you to take back information that can help you make money tomorrow, period. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So whatever that is, honestly, it's like an open book. And I don't really have... I think sometimes the biggest thing with fashion color. Anything really common that you're getting asked a lot? I, I, it's more about whether or not like the fading, I think, is, is always going to be a big thing. What, how, how does it last? Mm -hmm. um, is there a transfer? These kind of things. Pope right specifically is notorious for the way our color fades. It fades true to tone. It, it lasts really long, um, and it doesn't really have the runoff that's notorious in, for fashion colors in the past. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that's remarkable, I think, about our product line mm -hmm. specifically. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, saturation, like I said before, oxidation. Fashion color needs to be mechanically oxidized. Not really, but like in that theory of like, it has to be worked into the hair. Mm -hmm. So not only just saturation, but you got to manipulate it and you work it in. And I remember pointing this out to Rebecca Taylor. She didn't even recognize that she did it, but I would always watch her. She didn't have the words to say it, but she massaged the hair so much. Well, that was actually, there was a point behind that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just it was accidental. And so that's probably a really big thing being, it's way more tactile when we're doing fashion color above other color lines because mm -hmm. of our, I'm sorry, um, other methods of coloring you know blonding sure. and permanent color and stuff like that um how about fading so the fade for us again it's like fading is true to tone like you said before about fashion color lines that were known for going from purple to teal sure. that's a chemical reaction right. actually yeah. so we we know this hopefully some of us do so that was a big standout for pulp right is that this was going to fade true to tone and i i think i'm a pretty good example mm -hmm. of that obviously with rainbow hair that's mm -hmm. actually still a rainbow right. with as many inches of roots <laughs> as I have. Um, but anyway, so so there we go. Fading mm -hmm. and, and the durability, the wear and care. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff, honestly, I have to be honest. I have to remember, like what Chino said, mm -hmm. I, 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 so many things, I just assume people, people know because we've been doing it for so long. Mm -hmm. I forget that there's still people just learning it now. Mm -hmm. So I have mm -hmm. to be super mindful of putting myself back in those moments where right. I didn't know either. Yep. So it's really hard, I think, for me to, to kind of isolate it and to answer that question just directly like that because mm -hmm. there is still a lot of like kind of bringing myself back, being sure. self-aware and recognizing that there's still a lot of people that don't know mm -hmm. and you don't know what you don't know. Right. The funniest <laughs> thing to me, I think you could probably, to me, bleaching or chemically oxidizing hair color mm -hmm. it should be the most difficult and the most terrifying thing people cannot colorist a, a traditional colorist right. or old school whatever you want to say cannot wrap their head around the fact that it's paint what you see is what you're right. gonna get right that is it's it's so incredible to me they're terrified a fashion color when i'm like it's the simplest thing literally what you see is what you're gonna get mm -hmm. like yeah. like you know how That's are you it. letting that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well because we're, we're taught on the other side that 
what's it what's going to happen what's it going to turn into and and the thought process is if it's this bright now right what's right. it going to look like 20 minutes from right. now right? right but it's it's how we're it's how our brains have been trained mm-hmm. yeah or it's how we were taught right you know i love what you said about you know you have to you have to kind of go back and remember that this is you can never let it become old, right? It has to be new. Mm-hmm. You know, we work with, as Chris mentioned earlier, you know, 80 to 100 students graduate from our school. But not only that, we have an influx. We've got about 30 people joining our company within the next couple of months. And one of the things I'll often hear is, oh, man, we got to talk about this again. we got to talk about this again. <laughs> How come nobody ever listens? Mm-hmm. No, they heard you. We just got 30 new people who haven't heard it yet. Yeah. You know, we've got 80 people coming into the school who haven't heard it yet. Mm-hmm. So it's new to them. You may have repeated it a thousand times, uh-huh. but you have to remember they're new. They've never heard it before. Mm-hmm. And that's so funny because I used to get so frustrated mm-hmm. when I would get questions like on Instagram or, right. and I'm like, oh my God, it is the simplest thing. Like, how do you not know this? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Right. Because you know? they're new and they don't know. Exactly. Right. For, for both of you, because you, you, we both brought it up, how do you, I know, I know intellectually you know it's new, you know, they don't know this, but how do you emotionally get through that? Like, i got to repeat myself again, you know? I sort of take this mentality. First of all, I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, here we go. And then I answer it. Um, honestly, I sort of look at it as... I'm flattered that you think that I know enough to like ask me this, or I'm flattered that you're comfortable enough Mm -hmm. that you think I'm approachable enough Mm -hmm. to ask me this question. Um, So instead of trying to be like, be stressed about things Mm -hmm. like that, I just go, thanks. Like, thanks for this opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to be grateful for it instead of being an asshole. What I've said before for the Goonies, and I've I've told this to anybody that I have the chance to make them listen to me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I think that it's true. So many things that we're learning in there about how to be an effective educator. Mm-hmm. Literally, I'm just boiling down. I'm making notes about teaching my staff how to be an effective consultor where, mm-hmm. you know, do mm-hmm. com- effective consultations. Um, I think, um, oh my God, what was I going to say? <laughs> Whatever it was, it was come brilliant. Back, I know it was. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll yeah. circle around, yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, That's I what well, we do. I'll say this. I mean, the first time I ever saw Gino speak, I was probably, so I'm 46 years old. You know, right. I know I look very right. young. Late you do. 20s, yeah. As a I thought 21 max. Yeah, I figured that. Yeah. But, um, so that's why I wanted to, you know, <laughs> but I mean, I was probably 21 when I first saw Gino speak. Now uh, I could probably repeat, I could probably have been in John's ear going, he's about to say this. Oh, I love when he says that. Right. All right. But there's a piece of it I get every time yes Mm -hmm. and here's what i've learned about hairdressers especially being at the hair school Mm. every year i don't do you know the statistic on how many people go to cosmetology school every year i don't know the statistic but it's thousands and thousands Mm -hmm. yeah boatloads right Mm -hmm. so i'm either at a stage in my career where okay i could be i could be mastering right now Mm -hmm. i could be peaking i don't need you at that point right uh, if I'm, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I don't, I don't need this person, but most people are either, uh, in their first few years or bored mm-hmm. and needing something new. Yep. And, and then there's somebody who's been a, like just a lifelong learner mm-hmm. and only 10% of people are going to actively seek education right. anyway. So I, you know, I, as an educator, our, ourselves as well, right. mm-hmm. I always realize like, Hey, either this person's in a rut, they, this, or back to your point, we take for granted that they have been and seen where you've been and seen. Right. Yeah. You know, you spend time on that either on the hair show right. circuit or with right. thousands of people in learning environments all the time. 
The life of most hairdressers is four walls. Yeah. Right. Go to the salon. Right. Spend 20 years inside of a you know mm-hmm. square only to have varicose veins blow out the <laughs> right. sides of their legs. <laughs> right. And so the reality is, is you are, you know, I guess I'm, you know, you are a real beacon for somebody and they don't know who to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember what I was going to say. Awesome. Compassion (laughs) and patience. Uh, Yeah. yeah. If I could, anytime I get a chance to tell people, obviously I couldn't tell you guys right then, but uh, (laughs) compassion and patience, even that to clients, to have the compassion Mm -hmm. and patience to recognize that they don't understand hairdresser talk to other students or, or just like what you just said, like having the compassion and patience to recognize that somebody's in a rut or whatever. So mm-hmm. compassion, if you can just remember those two things, yeah, love that. I think that keeps yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. We just finished a um, program at our salons. And one of the things we taught in this leadership program that, I, that I'm referencing is we teach that compassion is empathy and action. Mm. Yes. Right. You can be yes. empathetic all day long, but I like, you know, what mm-hmm. you said about compassion and patience, because isn't that putting it into Mm-hmm. interaction you mm-hmm. to actually take the time to be patient mm-hmm. with somebody to take that action that's necessary right. because if you're really feeling that compassion for somebody how do you put it into action right. yeah. otherwise it's just talk yeah right? exactly yeah. take us down the social media road social media you guys both have you know plus 50,000 followers on your Instagram pages because you know we stalked you before we got here <laughs> um, which is amazing and one of the things that we, when we started this podcast a little over a year ago, that was kind of like a, a thing, right? We would look and say, oh, this person's got 250,000 followers. This person's got 500. Look at this one. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we're finding as this journey has gone on, and social media obviously has been around for a hot minute, right, is that there's a difference now that we're seeing that it's not so much about how many followers that mm-hmm. you have and maybe this is just a natural progression of what social media is it's now more important who those connections are a- an example would be we teach i teach a uh, a class for our sophomores and we we call it you know a business building class and one of the first things we talk about is you know your sophomores you're gonna be taking clients in like another two weeks because this class is two mm-hmm. weeks before their first guest you know where are you going to get customers i don't know Great. How many people you got on your social media? Well, I got eight hundred people on my on my Instagram. Awesome. I got two thousand. I got four thousand people following me on Instagram. Great. How many are gonna come and get the haircut? Crickets. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Really? You really don't know if any of those four thousand followers are gonna show up and come and get the haircut. And then of course my instant response is, Why are you following them or mm-hmm. are they you? As two people who work in that atmosphere as educators as people that have a presence on social media as two people who influence other hairdressers what are the changes you see what do you think is important to recognize as social media matures for lack of a better better sentence i think it started out with it was a numbers game right and it was you know the most followers wins um and i don't think people cared about actual interactions on pages Mm -hmm. And, you know, people would buy followers to work for companies and, and it just became this, this bubble burst. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad the bubble burst because little people like me, 58, same with, you know, Mm -hmm. Ruby, us smaller people. Um, I think it's cool now because on my page, you can see there's, you know, however many likes, but like, go look at the comments. And for me, it's authenticity. Mm -hmm. Um, I am the person behind my page. I am the only person that responds. And I personally feel like if you take the time out of your day to comment on something of mine, I'm going to take the time to respond. Mm -hmm. So for me, building, and I don't care how long it takes, but building that slow, gradual build of authenticity. Mm -hmm. Because 
I connect with my people, my followers, followers I, that I message and I've become friends with that I've met in real life now. And so, right. you know, for me, it's, I wanted, when I first started social media, I'm not going to lie, I wanted a hundred thousand followers and sure. then I wanted a million and then I wanted sure. this. And when I realized it's like chasing the dragon, well, what's it do? Mm-hmm. You know, I got my thousand cool. And then I got my K and then I got my 25 and then so what? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So for me, I had to like find my why. Why am I doing social media? Mm-hmm. And I've I've loved sort of seeing the shift from, oh, they have 100,000 or over a million or whatever mm-hmm. to quote unquote micro influencers, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just building a community of authenticity. And mm-hmm. really like when you go comment on somebody's picture, it's not for so they'll come follow you or whatever. It's like, no, I actually really like your work. Like right. thanks for sharing or whatever it may be. So mm-hmm. I think we saw this sort of, huge explosion and now i think it's sort of trending back to like what it started to be was like this this community of people who are supporting each other and putting their art out there putting their you know whatever out there and just hey good job like that's awesome yeah right. you know kinda, it kind of reminds me of facebook in the beginning like all we wanted to do was get all these friends and then we spent the next right. five years getting rid of all of our friends <laughs> totally so but um but i will say this regardless of whether you're growing social to grow a clientele or to become an influencer or the reality is, is some people do a better job mm-hmm. with their work and their product. You know, when I when I when I've scrolled both your pages, I'm like mind blown. <laughs> um, I'd like to dig in a little bit to the process of content creation mm-hmm. and <laughs> curation, and just to kind of unveil some of the myths and maybe give a little. You know, I I used to struggle with this, and then I found this short, you know, not shortcut, but a better way to do it. Um, I'd just love for you to unpack your content creation processes and maybe philosophies a little bit and kind of the goal behind it. I mean, we've I think we've known this for a little while. Like, obviously, the algorithms have so much to play. So, like, being a... Uh, it's, it's, and that's why I want to go straight to... I don't even want to play on that ball field right, right. now mm-hmm. because your work is so beautiful and curated. And if I just wanted to, and what I mean by curated is when I see your page, I see beautiful work, right? Thank you. So right. when I see your page, there's video. I know those took time to yeah. create. I know you had to put time into your work. So I want to talk about the time portion right now of just creating content. What did, what do you do in the salon to make that happen? How did it alter from before social media was well i mean uh, i think uh, my stuff grew from periscope that's what that was my chosen platform at the time so putting myself in front of it where we were taught for a long time to not put yourself as part of it um so my time is is just natural it became a habit through practice which we know so i don't have i i will say like the content curation or collecting of the content is is not really like something that I think about it's just something that's done in my salon and we've established a culture to expect that from our clients yeah. so and talk from about my staff the, okay so talk about how did that culture shift mm-hmm. what did the, what did they have to say in the beginning I didn't I just didn't I just unapologetically started doing it and probably to the danger of like mm-hmm. you know but I just was so excited you, and I was I think did I was you just like, start taking pictures I just I mean, started doing it mm-hmm. I mean I, I started taking pictures yeah I mean but I was taking pictures from MySpace, y'all like yeah, I right. took pictures back when you had to like yeah. plug your camera in so like that was a practice that I did just because any of the good hairdressers had a portfolio of their own work Mm -hmm. so I already kind of had that and then digital just kind of made it easier so I don't think that that's even new like that was just something that I knew anybody that was good or worth a damn in my like my Mm -hmm. experience 
took pictures of their work. And then obviously, you know, becoming more practiced at it and then listening to people about how to take better mm -hmm. pictures. Mm -hmm. But the actual time suck and what's difficult is when you compile all that and create a post. Mm -hmm. And that can be sometimes the really difficult part of it is like, yeah, like to you know to drain after 14 hour days of sitting there down it can take me probably on average without re because i'm not great at it yeah it's 30 minutes probably i would say allocating 30 minutes per post and That's then if you're doing it right mm -hmm. yeah. you also need to allot up to an hour to babysit that post to do yeah. exactly what sarai said mm -hmm. it is your responsibility to go back yeah. and actually network with the people that are talking right. to you like you know what i mean like these people take their time out and they're yeah. so nice and not only that but being mindful of the impact they already think that you're some celebrity or something mm -hmm. so going back and responding to them can make somebody's whole day you know and to speak to that directly i can't tell you how many of our staff walk up to me and go look who responded mm -hmm. to my yeah Instagram. they yeah. liked it right yeah and it, that just blows right. people away so right. I, I just want to give you that affirmation right people love the fact right. that you're touching base with that's them. awesome it just makes their day I mean, they are light in their shoes for the rest of the day. It makes our day that you're sitting here with us right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Content creation tips, strategies. Tips and strategies. Um, I will tell you, when I first got my DSLR, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And mm -hmm. I just went and I practiced. A I DSLR shot. is an expensive professional camera. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> not an yeah, iPhone. That takes it's, a lot of time a, to yes, learn. Yes, it does. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. I'm still... No, it's no, not. not. That's my DSLR. next. That's, that's my going next away. step. Yeah, this is coming. You down. lost um, me at Marilis. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I had no idea what a hashtag was. I had no idea how to photo photograph my work. Um, so taking classes, um, taking online classes, spending the time to educate myself, and it is. It's. It's so much time. And anybody who says it's not is a liar. It's just like when people are like, does that tattoo hurt? No, bullshit. Um, Instagram is, it's a job. It mm -hmm. can be as much of a full-time job as you let it be. Mm -hmm. right. There are definitely avenues for shortcuts, you know, prepping your posts ahead of time. You know, when you have downtime, like, you know, figuring out also your why, like, what are you posting to get clients? Because then you speak in a certain way or you post a certain way. Um, are you speaking as an educator? Do you want to get recognized by a brand? So that is, I think is going to affect the way you post and what you post and what you spend your time curating, if you will. So I will tell you, I am literally always on my phone. People, it's so funny because people will catch videos of me and they're like, oh, imagine that she's on her phone. I am. Mm. I'm working, mm. you know, and my husband and I almost got divorced over Instagram and mm. I'm not even joking because I was literally on there 24 seven and I let it ruin like everything else around me because I was so focused on the gram sure. Then I had to pull back and I'm like, okay, well numbers don't mean everything. This mm. doesn't mean everything. But I think when you sort of find your why, I think it does help you kind of narrow in on, okay, so I'm doing this post for content creation. Mm. It's going to take me, I, I'm going to allot myself 20 minutes and I'm going to speak as an educator or I'm going to speak as this. So I think even timing yourself, maybe just spending five minutes in the morning, creating a little bit, maybe five minutes in the afternoon or, you know, whenever. But I think if you kind of have like a little bit of a schedule mm. that helps. So you're not spending all of your time on your phone, okay. you know, or when you get home, like take 20 minutes to chill the F out mm. and then hop on your phone for 25 minutes. Maybe talk to your husband. Yeah. yeah. That does yeah. help if talk you'd like to, to stay in a marriage. Yeah. Yes, that does yeah. help. <laughs> you know, one of the things that you brought up more than once today and and i want to touch base on it on a little bit is knowing your why knowing your why mm -hmm. knowing your why you brought it up in a couple of different circumstances why is that so impactful for you why does that seem to be a current thread that runs through all your conversations if i don't know my why i am a chicken with my head cut off mm -hmm. i think once you focus mm -hmm. and and your why can change sure. your why can be fluid 
but at least having a why you have some sort of direction because like I said when I first started hairstyling I had no idea what I was doing when I first started Instagram I had no idea what I was doing and I was doing it because everybody else was doing it like I was doing Instagram but Mm -hmm. I didn't know why Mm -hmm. I didn't know what a hashtag was Mm -hmm. I didn't have a purpose Mm -hmm. so again I think if you have a why Mm -hmm. even if it changes you have focus like Mm -hmm. you go from your your path being six foot wide Mm -hmm. to two foot wide Mm -hmm. we can get a lot more done Mm -hmm. in two feet than you can six feet Mm -hmm. you know I watched you nod your head up and down Ruby you don't use why in in your language but I would steal what you said which is focus Mm -hmm. I think you have an immense amount of focus Um, yeah you know from being purposeful as I'm going to do what everybody else is afraid of right I think that's that's purposeful like you got to wake up and think about that you know (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't like what are you doing I don't know I'm just going to do what everybody else is afraid of but I I mean I I think a lot about that for me was like that like I am such a connoisseur of education Uh so pay attention to what other people are doing so that you can be different and that's what's going to give me the strength I'm I'm not naturally a creative person I told that to, to mm-hmm. Sarai, and I know that sounds weird to people, mm-hmm. especially sitting here with a rainbow, but mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm very confident in my ability to recreate something. Mm-hmm. Um, so be, by being able to uh, assess the situation mm-hmm. and try to figure out where, where do I fit in and to right. be an educator, that's important, I mm-hmm. think, to mm-hmm. try to find something that's different. She was talking about changing her curriculum or, uh, recently, and right. and. And it was based off that, like mm-hmm. recognizing what other people weren't providing and what, what, what the need is for. So mm-hmm. anyway, so that's me, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I don't think about it. So it's like funny because I'm so unplanned. I am such a, 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 a creative mind or attention mm-hmm. issue person. I think there's magic in the accidental discoveries of mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes I'm scared of the structure and, and then maybe that is the artist in mm-hmm. me, right? Like right. that idea of this enlightened mind and like mm-hmm. uh, uh, when I first as an artist learned what a folk artist was and simply the definition of a folk artist was somebody that was untrained. Mm-hmm. Like I can only teach you to draw an apple the way I see an apple to be drawn. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes I fear mm-hmm. the structure because of that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I miss the days that I would get on stage and I was so afraid that I cried because <laughs> that made me more, mm-hmm. I, I know that I would connect with me more. Mm-hmm. It made me more real and, and I think, right? And I think, that anyway, so there's a lot of these like things yeah. that mm-hmm. I live in this zigzag almost intentionally sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I don't realize that I have focus based off what you're saying. So thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... We're, I'm just looking at the time. Oh, yeah, we're, we're way over we're, time. Yeah, we're blowing through time. <laughs> I was um, going to say really quick with the yeah. social media thing, because I know that you want yep, to talk please. about yeah. that. You know, Instagram at first was, and, and even when I became an educator for a brand, they would post our numbers, our follower count next to our picture. Mm-hmm. And that was what legitimized us. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of opportunities that were being given to people based off of their follower count. Mm-hmm. What no. you're seeing now is the demise of followers. Mm-hmm. They're going to start taking likes away. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. also, an, uh, it, I believe, strongly, and diversifying your your online portfolio, 100%. so tw- don't don't scoff at Twitter, yeah. don't scoff at yep. all these things. TikTok, As hairdressers, LinkedIn, it's important. TikTok, well, and important for yeah. hairdressers is Instagram because we are visual in what yeah. we sell. Yeah. But I think that's what I'm going to say is like if you have kids that are listening yeah. to this or whatever, yeah. it's important to be on social media because we have to have that portfolio. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be about the likes. It has to be about your target audience. Totally. Period. Totally. We a million percent, yeah. and we we talk all the time amongst each other at home about, look, regardless of whether you have 100 followers, 1,000, a million, or zero, if a client hears your name, decides to see what your work looks like on Instagram, right, and you have 22 
gorgeous pictures of hair that you mm-hmm. did. Right. Mm-hmm. That's They're, awesome. Absolutely. Right. And if that's all it ever grows to, that's like yeah. that's great. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because because of and you guys use the word or you didn't say this, but I know you hear you know the long tail of the internet. Mm-hmm. You know and how that lives forever. Right. And it just becomes attached to your name and it it's, lives it's, forever. It does. It, it absolutely does. And, until, Nothing gets deleted. Until um, until AI takes over and kills us all. <laughs> yes, it lives forever. Um, I man, saw iRobot the other night. It always makes me nervous. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's coming. Yeah. Sasha. Um, so this has been an uh, extru- No, Sophia. Sophia. Was it Sophia or Sasha? We'll have to talk about this yeah, offline. Sophia. Yeah. Um, Man, this has been such a great con. Like, I want to keep going. Every word that's coming out of your mouth right yeah. now, we're both. I was terrified when they brought us both in because I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. 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 17 yeah. hours later. Like, listen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it was, it's so good. And, you know, it's one of those times when you walk out of a conversation because we've been sitting here for an hour and, you know, almost 15 minutes talking. I've actually got more energy now than when I sat down. Oh, Same. I feel yeah. I'm just Same. Like juiced up yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so that said, typically how we wind our podcast down is, uh, you know, I'm going to pitch it to John for a second. He's going to share of all of the amazing bombs that you guys dropped, you know, what you're walking away with. <laughs> and then, um, just each of you, you know, our, our audience is salon owners, mm-hmm. uh, hair school students, people that have been behind the chair 30 years. So anything you feel like maybe you, you took from this conversation or you're, le- or maybe we're leaving on the table that you want to make sure you put out there. So John, yeah, um, again, I, I've got more energy now b- yeah. at the end of an hour and 15 yeah, minutes than awesome. I had beforehand. So thank you both. Um, I also want to say thank you for taking a, a modality, for lack of a better word, of a different type of hair, you know, and making it something amazing. Um, I know you guys weren't the only two, right? <laughs> but you're the two in front of me, so I want to say thank you. Um, because I really think it gives people another avenue and another journey that they can take in an industry that I think we've all found out was a, a surprise to us in mm-hmm. so many great ways. Um, and I want to thank you for sharing that today. It was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Ruby, first of all, how do we find you if they already aren't following you? So uh, Google me, bitch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, again, my name is Ruby Divine. It's like the jewel and like uh, the Irish spelling, not the, the biblical spelling, not a stage name. Totally did birth, my birthday given name. I'm pretty much Ruby Divine in anything that you guys could find me at. So. Right. Awesome. And so anything you feel like we're kind of leaving on the table or. So I was going to say like, you know, the biggest thing that I want to take away, like I love Sarai, but like just being here next to her and having these moments, Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is to reach your arms out and interlock it with people that are going to motivate you and make you better. And I think as hairdressers, we have a a lot of uh, affinity to be nervous, especially because we can feel like starving artists sometimes, but like Mm -hmm. you're only going to get better by surrounding yourselves with, Mm -hmm. with other people that are better than you Mm -hmm. and creating Mm -hmm. these friendships are going to drive you to be better. Um, helping your fellow hairdresser elevates the industry and the yeah. expectations of clients. So if, if anybody could do that. Awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. And Sarai, how do we find you? Well, I'm everywhere. Um, <laughs> in your dreams, you can find me. Um, no, Al- already found. Yep. <laughs> I No, you can literally Google Sarai Spear. Um, I am the Platinum Giraffe on Instagram. That is what I'm known for. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what awesome. I'm known as. And uh, what do you want to say to our audience as we wrap up? I just really want to encourage people to be authentically themselves, Mm. whatever that means to you. And however that means your journey, like finding yourself, being happy with who you are, saying fuck everybody else's standards and living your best damn life. Love that. Love that. Thank you. Well, we know you absolutely loved this podcast, whether you drove back and forth and back and forth to work. Um, Regardless, we're still going to ask John. 
You know, uh, for all of you have, who have shared this on your Instagram stories, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, thank we you. That's that. awesome. Um, for those of you who have written us five-star reviews, thank you very much. We appreciate you. It helps others find you. What about those who haven't? Uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. I seriously don't. <laughs> you know, If you need to talk, you know, Instagram me, DM me. We'll talk. We'll work you through this. For all of our north of the border friends, all of our Canadian brethren, you know, Wikid means French, five stars. Means five stars. You know it means five. So write us a wicked good review, and we will love you forever. That's awesome. And yeah. take a screenshot of this podcast if you enjoyed it. Share it in your Instagram stories and tag us at 124.go, and we'll do the same for you. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We know you learned a lot from this one. And ladies, thank you so much. This was an awesome conversation. See you all next time.